Legally Blonde, Suits, My Cousin Vinny. All badass lawyers, all different. Which begs the question, what type of lawyer do you want to be? Don't waste another second thinking, ugh, I don't even know what types of lawyers there are. Trust us, we've been there. Let's put a stop to that once and for all. Go take the 90-second quiz from new lawyer now what coach Angela Vorpal to give yourself a clear picture of the best fit type law for you. Go to www.whattypeoflawyerquiz.com and take the quiz today. Once you've taken the quiz, send us a DM on Instagram to let us know what type of lawyer you got. We can't wait to hear. Let's be real. The road to law school is a tough one, and it gets even tougher once you start. So if you find yourself thinking, I feel like I'm going through this whole law school thing alone. I don't have any lawyers in my family, and I feel like there's just so much I don't know. Or it would be great to be around other people who are also figuring this out. Then we have the thing just for you. Longtime friend of the podcast and lawyer turned law school coach, Angela Vorpal has created a free Facebook group exclusively for law students and pre-law students looking for clarity and support in their law school journey. This group is perfect for you if you're looking to know what law school is really like from people going through it right now in real time, or you'd like to get a sanity check and a daily dose of good vibes as you're studying for the LSAT. Or maybe you're just a cool, nice human who wants to build strong community around you as you grow in your law school experience. If you thought hell yes to any of these above, then the Law School Network Facebook group is just for you. The link to join the free Facebook group is in the show notes, or you can search Facebook for Law School Network and it will pop right up. Law school is a tough road, you guys, and the more support that you have, the better. Hi guys and welcome back to Ladies Who Law School podcast. I'm Haley and I'm Sam and this week we have a special guest. Elle Florence is a Seattle-based young professional who runs her own business. You know we love business owners over here guys. She's also a YouTube influencer and maintains a successful career as a corporate and securities attorney. Oh my gosh that means she probably knows all about secure transactions. Well, let's learn a little bit more about Eleanor, and let's check her out. All right, everybody, please help me welcome our guest, Miss Eleanor from L. Florence. Hi, Eleanor. How are you doing today? Hello. Thank you for having me, Haley. I'm well, thank you. How are you? We are so happy to have you on here. And I am hanging in there. So, Eleanor, tell myself, Samantha, and the listeners a little bit about yourself. Mm-hmm. 
That would be great. So I'm an attorney here in Washington State. What's a little bit different about me perhaps over some other guests is that I have been in practice for quite a while. So I was originally qualified in British Columbia in 2013, and then I just passed the Washington Bar. So I'm both a newbie and the old guard at the same time. Um, And so I'm happy to share some of my experiences with your community and talk to some of those today. Um, I'm a corporate and securities lawyer, so that's the area that I practice in and that I can speak to as well. Awesome. So why don't we go back to law school? I know you went to law school in England, so can you just tell us about all of that? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So what's neat about the way they did it um, over there when I was a student is it is both my undergraduate degree and my qualifying law degree, um, which was really neat for me because I had a really burning passion to pursue law at a young age. So I actually worked um, before I pursued that and then went for it. And it was a great decision for me that I really enjoyed. It also got me the um, international student experience that I was really looking for as well. And then after that, I missed North America. So I came back and completed a master's at the University of Toronto. So where are you from originally? I grew up in Victoria, BC in Canada. Okay, very cool. So you are a Washington-based attorney. Is that where you Mm -hmm. originally took the bar, right? So That's right. Yeah, so right there on the edge, I would say. So mm-hmm. it was kind of in your nature to come back and do Canada cross border work. Yes. Absolutely. So I've been a dual citizen my whole life and spent quite a bit of time in the U.S. And so I always knew that I wanted to use my business experiences and international experience career-wise and in terms of lived experience um, for the benefit of clients. But I wasn't sure when it would happen. So it finally happened and I made the jump um, to actually establish myself as an attorney in the U.S. um, in 2019 going in 2020. Um, but passing the bar is quite the journey over here. I feel for everyone that has to go through it. It's difficult in every country, um, but the U.S. is an interesting sort of ritual. Um, so I went through that all through um, the past year prior to last summer. So that would be uh, 2020 going into 2021. So when you're licensed, okay, so you go to law school in the U.K., And then Mm -hmm. go back to Canada and what kind of licensing, like, is there a bar exam (laughs) equivalent or how does that really work? Yes, I've done all, I've done through all of the regulatory hoops. So DM me on Instagram if anybody who's listening to this has any questions. Of course, all the rules are always changing, you know, just to keep you on your toes. And we lawyers love that. So um, I can't be sure how, you know, much things may have changed since I did that because my return from England to Canada, which, you know, culminated in my being called to the bar in 2013 happened in um, 2011 going into 2012 would be when I was meeting those requirements. Um, They have a process in Canada called the NCA, whereby if you go, especially to a Commonwealth school, um, and particularly to all of you who are studying law, which I believe is most of your community, um, it's a common law-based accreditation. So if you go to a common law law school, they see that as, you know, fundamentally 
a sister journey, if you like. And so they consider your accreditations once you've completed your degree um, and go ahead and then adjudicate what you need to do in order to meet um, the level and type of education that you would need as a Canadian attorney. And what I mean by that is really you know, for me, they adjudicated that all of my education was very substantially similar. But of course, there's some gaps to fill, particularly with respect to constitutional law, criminal law, evidence. Those were the sorts of exams that I had to take. Um, and you take those devised by the um, University of Ottawa, I believe, at the time was designing those. So you go ahead and complete those requirements. And if you pass all of the exams, then that then entitles you to an exotic journey to America. Um, that doesn't exist on this side, which is called articling. So if you have any community members who are on the Canadian side over there, we still have a legal philosophy around becoming an attorney that is more like a traineeship process, whereby you spend your first year as what's called an articled student. Now, the actual lived experience of it is very substantially similar to being a first year associate at you know US firm, um, but it's a little bit of a slightly different journey whereby you actually get called to the bar at the end of that year so i guess it's kind of similar to like in the uk when they do their pupillage is that kind of the equivalent yeah except that's for litigators you know they still have a split system um which is funny every country is so different isn't it it's kind of because then when you're in law school you meet some of those people and they have such different life experience than you and then that continues through practice as well. So the solicitor system is more equivalent to what I'm practicing today as a corporate attorney and then the pupillage system which you're right is also a one year accreditation post law school that is, you know, work experience that leads to a qualification but it's only for a certain type of attorneys so what we would consider um, a litigator who's actually going to court and representing clients as a court advocate. That's sort of what that is. So yeah, another fun difference. Yeah. We're going around the world in this conversation. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and it's true, we do have listeners who We'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible. Yes. Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries. And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime. Speaking of thrillers, I know you're currently hooked on Never Lie by Frida McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go. And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management. What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go, whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. 
So if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer. Because I've seen yeah. like um, people ask us about articling, and I'm like, oh. you have okay, great. So it's not the first time you've heard it because no, no, I've heard it before. I just I I still ha- occasionally. I mean, these days, you know, it's been a moment for me, so it doesn't happen too much anymore. But I would occasionally have you know um, contacts and referrals uh, read through my LinkedIn profile, and be like, what's articling? It's just a funny sounding name too, isn't it? Um, not really something that makes sense um, intuitively. So after you get called to the bar in 2013, what do you Mm -hmm. like, what what do you start practicing right out the gate? Okay. So this is where having an international education was a wonderful experience for me and the right decision for me. But anyone out there who's considering it should pause on the fact that you'll probably have some hoops to jump through if you return to your home country or go to another country um, after your studies. And that's exactly what happened to me. So the process of taking those exams resulted in a job offer even um, prior to completing the entire process at my top choice firm, um, which was a national firm in Canada, where I then completed articles in Vancouver, British Columbia, which then resulted in being called to the bar. But all of that had to um, really, um, I had to be willing to hit pause on my otherwise, you know, very energetic personality and let's get things done now. And I was so ready to embark on my legal career. But the offer was a year out because I still had to complete all of those regulatory hoops, of course, before being even you know allowed to do that. So I had this year and it's so funny because at the time, um, I was so nervous about having this sort of blank slate year before I could really start my life as what felt like, you know, a real post-study adult. And I didn't know what to do with it at first, um, but I think I made the most of it because I started my YouTube channel and um, started building my community there. And I found so many like-minded women who were interested in style and then um, progressively got into videos that focus on what to wear to work and other career related content with what felt like, you know, community of women who had similar interests to me. So that was a seed that I planted that year. But you know, so much of it is with hindsight. Now I see um, how that really came to fruition. But at the time, it was just me filling my time with something that I thought would be kind of fun. I really restarted jewelry making in a big way because that was my original career dream prior to getting bitten by the law school bug. Um, So I started making jewelry again and kind of fulfilling my creative passions. And then, you know, with the idea of continuing to grow my network and become more experienced in an international space, specifically a corporate international space, I interned um, in Hong Kong for several months at a local firm, which was really neat because the cultural differences were so interesting to explore. I felt so welcome, um, but also like it was an opportunity to really take a deep dive into a very different work environment. So 
I really enjoyed doing that as well. And I guess what I would take from that is if you do have a pause for whatever reason, whether it be, you know, because you're jumping through regulatory hoops or waiting to start a job, don't be afraid of using that time creatively and really going for new and somewhat uncomfortable experiences because I think I did that and it really served me well. And I think it goes along with, you know, the whole building your identity outside of the law and that's that's great. I wish we all had, you know. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a great time. And like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty. You look back and you think, oh wow, that was a really good growth moment for me. And I think a lot of times we're like, gosh, I'm I feel so bad. I don't have a job right now, or I'm in this I always joke purgatory place where you're waiting yes. for the results. Limbo. Yeah. Limbo. There it is. Yes. So, tell us about your YouTube channel. Sure. I mean, it's kind of fun to have this conversation with you and the opportunity for that because, um, Haley, you are both embarking on that as well, doing a sort of side hustle. I'm not sure how much it's a part of your studies, but it sounds like it's a passion that you are really cultivating on the side of law school, which is wonderful. And I'm a big believer in that, in the side hustle as a way to keep your passions alive and really nurture um, the things that make you tech. So, yes. That's exactly what I did as well. (laughs) So circa um, 2011 going into 2012, I was entering a very business formal environment, a very high powered law firm, very intense environment, very high expectations, um, and also navigating some funny, quirky things that you um, have to navigate as you enter that sort of workplace. Um, so how to interpret a dress code that is traditionally written with you know men in mind, I would say more so than women, and finding your way to still express your personality, um, your style, while making the most of what that opportunity would be. And it's funny how much my life has changed since then, living in Seattle and much more part of a startup type environment where within reason and within um, maintaining the professional identity that's important to me, I get to wear pretty much anything I want. So my career and the style that goes with that has changed a lot over the years, but I think that actually makes it fun for my community to see, you know, those changes over the years. So way back then, I remember, you know, it was really important to me to make sure I didn't entirely lose myself as I entered that big law world. Um, And it was so hard to find things as well. I do feel like the market since 2012 um, style wise has expanded so that you have a little bit more options from different brands, more affordable options as well. Um, There's so many great small businesses that are really, you know, catering their designs to women in my shoes at the time. But back then, I felt like there was very little. So I feel really proud to have, you know, had that little moment um, where I think I kind of grew my community partly based on that perspective and that struggle, if you will, of how to make sense of it and how to find your way and your voice as to how you present yourself in the legal world, which is such a tough world. I think we can all agree on that um, for most you know, people who will be listening, um, that law is a very demanding career, very tough career. And you know, one of a few career paths, I think, where you might have to juggle something like um, wearing a particular you know, type of outfit that's going to look crisp and clean and client ready. Um, But at the same time, potentially um, at the time for me, at least working overnight and still somehow finding a way to look 
decent um, the next morning um, in the office and having a client meeting after not leaving for more than 24 hours. So, you know, those are the interesting sort of curveballs that you get thrown at sometimes early in your career. And, and it's fun to feel like you have a little bit of a community, I think, as you go through that. That's something that I really appreciated at the time, at least. Absolutely. So yeah, let's talk about a day in the life in corporate and securities law. I mean, you mentioned <laughs> sure. staying up for 24 hours. I mean, <laughs> I, I know that uh, we both and the listeners definitely want to know what it's like to be in your shoes at that time. And, you know, it is demanding. Most of our jobs, no matter what they are, are demanding, but some of us go into it with expectations like, that we will be working for 24 hours, but some of us don't. So help us uh, understand that a little bit better. Absolutely. So I think something that's interesting as well is going in and, you know, there's a traditional kind of mantra that at least at, you know, during my day really dominated, which is, you know, you finish law school, all the top firms want the top grades and all of those good things that you already know about. Um, And then the motto that goes with that is, okay, you've achieved all of that. Now you get to leave that, all of that behind and consider yourself a little bit of a blank slate with nothing to offer because you are essentially learning how to do something from scratch with all of your education, this almost useless burden. Um, I'm taking this a little bit to a little, you know, bit of hyperbole here, but I, I truly did hear a lot of similar sentences from um, people who interviewed me, senior partners, who really consider law school to be uh, more of a sacrifice of years and achievement than something that will actually serve you in any way as you move forward with your career. And I personally find that perspective very toxic. And I, I know not everyone may agree with me, but I think everyone um, has something to offer in a unique perspective and in every country, but even, you know, especially here in the U.S. where it's a graduate degree, most people have even had previous jobs, careers, experiences that are something that feeds into their value and perspective as a young attorney. So the journey for me of becoming an attorney during my first few years of practice was listening or sort of honoring my experiences and knowing when to listen Um, to those sorts of perspectives and when to not. And also feeding those into what would be an ideal or um, fruitful work environment for myself also versus not as you get to make those choices and move forward with your career. So I hope that it's changed a lot, but in some ways I think um, big law will always struggle with some of that perspective because you do have so much to learn as you go into your first year. And I think there is some peace of mind with knowing that, with knowing that everyone is in the same boat. Um, you'll all be learning on if you're, you want to be a corporate lawyer, what goes into actually creating a deal, which has you know, ultimately very little to do other than at a basic level um, with the corporate law or um, contract law that you would have studied in law school. So those are really your building blocks. But everything that you've learned so far, um, I think, is still a real enrichment for the in- attorney that you're going to be. And you have worked so tremendously hard um, through all of the exams and hoops, whichever country you're from, 
And whatever those hoops are, every legal profession has many hurdles to jump in order to become a part of it. And that really shapes your work ethic. So I hope that no matter you know what anyone um, tells young lawyers at the beginning of their careers, they remember that. And I guess I wish that I had remembered that a little bit more as well, um, because it's something that can sometimes be, I think, a little bit undermined. So, so when did you decide to, cause you said you're working more of like a, a startup environment now. So what made now, you yeah. to leave big law and, you know, join a smaller environment? It just didn't feel right. I was burnt out at the end of that year, still very passionate about corporate and securities law, but I saw a real opportunity to take the securities law experience um, that I had gained through interning, through working in uh, an asset management kind of environment, and then completing that year of articling as well at you know pretty a sharp firm when it came to that particular field. And I pivoted into a different field, which was securities regulation. So I worked for the Canadian, we can call it the equivalent of FINRA, if that's helpful, um, for almost six years over yeah, a good amount of time to really immerse myself in that environment. And it was such a good decision for me because I think I really got to become an expert in a particular area find a smaller working environment, which is the right fit for me personally as an attorney. That's where I feel um, the most fulfilled is really knowing my colleagues, um, really being with um, and learning from experts and working with them much more consistently um, and also being involved with transactions from start to finish. So what tends to happen in big law, not always the case, but you tend to get, you know, carved out bits of transactions and you become very adept at doing that perfectly. Um, But what fits my personality better is to be a little bit more big picture and guide the client from start to finish um, as to whatever the transaction might be because I assist with all sorts of transactions. But I say all of that with the idea that asking yourself those sorts of questions, you know, what kind of work do you enjoy? Do you enjoy um, working on very specific um, mandates that are carved out where you're really going to get to shine as to one particular area of expertise. Um, Particularly when I was interning in London, England, I noticed um, that pattern a lot and that you had, you know, experts who would really shine as to only one particular legal issue and being able to advise and speak to that. Um, And I wanted to be more of a business-minded attorney who would help at a higher level throughout the transaction and be able to jump in on any particular point to stay really nimble. Um, That's the kind of career I wanted to forge for myself. So I specialized for a few years, but the entire time I would think I was always looking to then use that experience for something else. But it took me a little while to figure out what that would be, which is the job that I'm sitting in now. How did you get the job that you're you know, at right now. (laughs) Serendipity, which is how all of the best jobs happen, I think, are the funnest opportunities. I don't know about you, um, but most of the fun things that I've gotten to do um, in terms of building my business, fun opportunities, travel experiences, so much of it happens sometimes by surprise. Um, I'd love to hear more about your journey on building this podcast, but I take a guess that there's something to it that has a similar vibe. And 
for me, this job opportunity came by when I made the jump. I'd actually jumped in with both feet already um, to settle here in Seattle. So I knew that I wanted to be in the Pacific Northwest. I'd lived many other places, um, more on the East Coast of the U.S. I'd lived in England, um, East Coast of Canada, experienced lots of different climates, places, working environments. And so I had a good idea of what I was looking for. Um, but I knew no one, which is terrifying, isn't it? Especially as a career professional, you know, where we put such an emphasis on building your network and having those connections and staying within that niche to just continue building more and more. Um, instead, I just kind of left all of that behind um, and made the jump because I knew, you know, from my career experiences that there was an entrepreneurial environment here that I just desperately wanted to be a part of. Um, and as a business owner myself, I was lucky to have a business to support myself with a creative business. Um, designing jewelry that I could bring with me so that I had something. So I was in a very fortunate situation in that way. But otherwise, I got really unlucky because I moved right before lockdown. Um, and so I made um, a connection that eventually led to my job. And it was such an amazing conversation. And I think approaching your career development through seeking out these fruitful conversations is a really wonderful way to do it if you can do that versus um, more of a fear-based mindset where, you know, you're just looking for something, which I understand, you know, I've been in that position um, during law school where you just are so desperate to have your future planned out. Um, but if you can seek out conversations with what feels like like-minded individuals, I doubt it will steer you wrong. It certainly has always um, worked out for me really well. So I had a lunch with the founder of our firm, MX Law Group, and we really bonded over ex our experiences as business owners. Um, I had done quite a bit of M&A work, work when I um, articled in Canada and throughout all of my other interning experiences, but I hadn't done that kind of work for a while. And talking to him about it, about the work that he was doing, about all of the business savvy that he was able to bring to his clients as a result of his lived business experience reminded me of how passionate I was um, about the idea of being in private practice and actually sharing those perspectives and helping clients, you know, in the private practice sphere, um, develop their businesses. And that's something that I'd left by the wayside after a little bit of an unfulfilling year at, you know, a much bigger law firm with a very different mindset. And so my current job came about through a casual conversation over a bowl of soup. Um, it was fall, it was a rainy day, and it really recast my mindset to realize that there are so many ways that you can practice law, right? So it's easy to get into the trap of thinking that you can only be a corporate and securities attorney or any you know type of attorney that you might have in mind through a certain, sometimes kind of stereotyped way. And I fell into that, certainly, thinking that the biggest law firm would be the best one um, for me to join. Um, and over the years, I think I've had to reframe that. And I think it's a healthy thing to do as you go through your career to try to question all of those perspectives about how law is practiced, about the kind of players that are involved, about the working environment and what that you know has to be like, should be like, and what works for you.
such great advice. I mean, the last part, what works for you is so important. And I think just listening to your story, you know, you were burnt out after the, when you're at big law with these expectations and, you know, just the whole environment. And then you mm-hmm. move to a more quaint, smaller work environment and, th- you know, thrive for six years, right? Like, um, like you said, you thought in your mind that you had to go to big law. That was the only way. But mm-hmm. in reality, that didn't fit for you. That wasn't a good fit for you. And, um, you know, we don't, we don't really recognize that until the end, until it's mm-hmm. too late. And I think it's so important for, you know, young law students, listeners that maybe you try that summer out at the firm, you know, during law school, but you recognize, Hey, maybe this isn't a good fit for me and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Get all the experiences you can, because you won't know if something is a fit quite often until you experience it or some version of it. And so I'm really glad that I did that. Even the bad experiences are good experiences in terms of giving you the direction that you need to become the kind of attorney that you eventually want to become. But you know what's fun? And I think what we can speak to a little bit that um, a lot of people may not have the experience of is what it's like to have a creative passion on the side for you. Um, It's podcasting. For me, it was jewelry design and content creation online. Um, And oftentimes the neat benefit of that is that it actually tends to, um, oh, what's the saying? There's a saying in English about splitting the positive from the negative, um, the curds from the whey or something like that when you make cheese. Um, And this idea that, you know, what you bring to the table isn't going to be for everyone. So have you had any experiences like that where you feel like, you know, maybe more traditional law environments or crusty lawyers um, don't know what a podcast is? I mean, what even is a podcast to um, traditional lawyers? They may not know what (laughs) what it even involves. So what's been your experience with that? Do you feel like it's always accepted or sometimes um, has that kind of separating effect where you can tell what someone's mindset is like? from how they respond to your hobbies and passions absolutely that's yeah um I would say we you know not to our face as anyone said oh my gosh you know what is that but I do think we talk about it with people and uh I always think especially like future employers employers in general the way they respond to it tells me a lot about them yes. and what they think about me. And uh, I need so- someone who's willing to work with me and for me to grow mm-hmm. um, and talk about them in a sense. Right. You know, uh, yes. and just to be open about it. I don't want to hide anything. So, yeah, I mean, we've had some um, instances with maybe people in s- schooling and education that maybe have looked down on us a little bit. Um, or maybe thought like, who are they or different things like that. But in reality, we, you know, showed them that we didn't know what we were talking about and that we did have the ear of many different people in law school communities around the nation. This was, you know, back during COVID too, especially just times were crazy then. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also, I feel like people think it's impossible to have like a side hustle. Yeah. You know, but it's yes, you can only not. be one thing. Isn't that yeah. a toxic mentality? Because exactly. then you're stuck with that label forever. Yeah. <laughs> How dull. <laughs> exactly. And I, I liked that you mentioned earlier, you know, I moved to Seattle and why well, I didn't know anyone, but I had this to lean on. And it's true. 
it's very important to have those other parts of your identity outside of just being an attorney or just being a lawyer. And I don't mean just, right? I mean, you need to do other things than being just one thing. And having a side hustle, no matter what it is, I know some people just post about their workout content or their plant content and things like that. And it's Mm -hmm. just a way for them to express themselves. And I love that because being a lawyer sometimes does take a lot of the creative aspects that we all enjoy away from us. And so this is a way to, for us to really thrive. But going back to your question about people, you know, asking us about and treating us differently, um, you know, like I said, no one to our face. If anything, honestly, it's been really a great experience for us. We've uh, we've had a lot of conversation starters about it, and I think it's opened up people's um, eyes to who we are uh, as people. And I think people might even be able to listen to us before they get to talk with us and different things like that. So, I definitely think that. Also. I would just want to interject. I think anyone who, uh, you know, is going to law school or whatever, like if you have a passion, definitely do it because like our employers, like they love knowing that we started a business, you know, on our own. And absolutely. It's, it's also like the entrepreneurial spirit. That's great for lawyers, you know? Yeah. It definitely goes hand in hand in my eyes. So honestly, I feel like if a guy or a lawyer, I don't mean guy, but if any person was, you know, questioning me and saying, why are you doing that? Oh, that would be a red flag. I have to get out of there, you know? So um, maybe that's another reason why I haven't, we haven't really experienced that, but I definitely do think people are like, what is a podcast sometimes? Right. right? Yeah. I had to tell my firm, like when I started working there, like what a podcast was, I was like, yes, I do have this podcast. And they're like, what's a podcast? And you know, like now they know and like, they're fine with, you know, and some of them are like avid podcast listeners now, right. Not just us, but other podcasts. So I think it's kind of cool um, way to it's helped us be really technologically savvy, which I think, let's be honest, a lot of the old guys at the firm are like, please, can you help me? You know, I don't know how to do Zoom. Haley, can you come help me? And I'm like, absolutely. But that's part of being the new generation and younger generation of lawyers that, you know, we just have to learn and uh with the generation with cell phones and the internet and everything, while many of our you know, lead attorneys and partners at our firm are, are not. So I think it's, it's been definitely something that is on your resume. People are like, Oh, I bet she knows how to work YouTube or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. And that also translates into a mindset as well. So I've worked opposite, uh, opposite firms um, on closings recently who don't know what DocuSign is or um, just really struggle with any changes um, or suggestions for how to make things work more smoothly, uh, which is always our mindset um, at my firm to, you know, help efficiency towards close. Um, and I find that so fascinating. But, you know, I think the two go hand in hand. So if you come from that school of thought that, you know, being an attorney is a one trick pony um, expert in one thing kind of job, then I can see how it would become like that. You don't tend to learn a lot of new things or become exposed to new experiences, new techniques, new technology, um, you know, because technology, really, that's what it is. It's a new way of doing things. It's being open to approaches and just having that open mindset. So 
I think it's really neat that you're cultivating that and you're bringing that to the table as young attorneys. And I think many people in your community who are listening to your podcast will have that mindset as well. So what I want to say to them is that you have so much value and so much to offer and not to forget that. I love that you say that because it's so true. I mean, even the 1L first year law student going into law school this week and next week, right? You have something to offer, right? And I think so many times we dwell on the fact that we aren't perfect. We're not this perfect picture lawyer that really doesn't even exist. And we're so hard on ourselves. And so I just appreciate you for highlighting that and reminding everyone. I know that we all need to hear it. Absolutely. And you shouldn't be afraid to fail at things. You know, I'm not a born litigator. It's not my thing, Um, which is funny because, you know, sometimes deals do go sour and you still inevitably find yourself um, pulled in on advising or helping or referring someone in that direction. And that's just a part of law. Um, So you shouldn't close yourself off from learning about things because definitely my litigation experience interning in various departments at firms is useful and valuable. Um, But you should also be honest with yourself and realize that not like no one is good at everything um, and no one can really jump in and continue to develop everything either. So you should find the things that really give you joy and then become well-rounded within that field. I think is a good mindset to have. It's okay to fail and be terrible at something. (laughs) Yes, 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 absolutely. All right, Eleanor. Well, thank you so much. I think that's a great place for us to end. But before you go, will you let everyone know where they can find you after they listen to this? Yes, absolutely. Well, first of all, I want to wish everyone the absolute best of luck in their legal journeys, however that may look and come to fruition. I think there's so much to explore these days. And if you'd like to continue to keep in touch with me, I have a website at lforrance.com if you want to check out my jewelry designs. I'm at MX Law Group, um, which is a firm here um, where I'm a corporate and securities attorney. And then I'm, I'm, I'm on um, Instagram at Elforms as well. So you can contact me at any of those places. And I'd love to hear from you, hear about your experiences and any way I can help as well. Thank you so much, Elle. We appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. You know, I think it would be so nice to be able to do law school and undergrad at the same time and just get it over with and not have to do like seven years of school. But um, other than that, what do you think about the interview? Oh, I think, you know, she had so many good insights and just a lot to gain as an entrepreneur, as someone who doesn't just practice law as her only income. I think that it's just nice to know that there are other options out there, especially to see a woman doing it and just makes me so inspired. And as always, guys, the biggest compliment you can give us is telling someone, your friend, an acquaintance, anyone you know in law school or that's going to law school or into the law about our podcast. Yes. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at ladies who law school podcast. We are always posting our episodes and reels lately. We've been like getting into those. So stay tuned for more. All right, guys, we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye.